Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Virtually Legal. Thank you so much for joining us for another mini-series. So the theme of this mini-series is all about developing soft skills as a lawyer and one skill law firms cannot get enough of is commercial awareness. So today we have got the absolute master of commercial awareness on the show and he's going to be telling us how to analyse a news story, how to extract the most from it, and then how to feed that back to law firms and your applications. So, drum roll, Peter, welcome to the studio. <laughs> what a what an introduction. I don't know if I can quite live up to that. Um, <laughs> My introductions but... are getting more dramatic by the time I do them. Yeah. No, I, I also, the drum roll was, put, was also good as well. I, I like that. I did try and make some noise, but I'm not sure if my table just rattled rather than... No, not at all. No, it was all good. Well, I'll, I'll tell you a bit about how I um, write Watson's Daily, and then I can tell you how to pick stuff out. Uh, you know, how what do I look for in a story, and then um, how to uh, how to write about it. Does that is that all right? Yeah, yeah, okay, perfect. So, Go for it. Right, okay, so so right, so first of all, um in terms of um reading stories and picking them out, um I think it's really important to re- you need to read a lot. You need to have enough you need to have enough material to then kind of see you need to be able to then if you have enough material you can see the trends and then you can cut everything right down um to make what you write as punchy as possible because I think a lot of the time you know people do tend to write in a quite a they almost want to write in a more florid way than they really should um, because you you know in order for you what you write to have impact you need to really simplify it down to its to its bare bones I think so um, in terms of so my process I get up at 4 uh, a.m. every day. Are you advocating that law students do this? <laughs> Absolutely. Everyone needs to get up at 4 a.m. No, no, not at all. It's not natural. Um, I didn't find it natural, um, but I just did it out of necessity. Um, but anyway, so get up at 4, start reading the, the papers at 4.15, and then I usually, on average, uh, use about 150 articles, round it down to about 30, and then usually about 15 make it into Watson's Daily. And in terms of, you know, how do I um, how do I round it down? Um, I try to I, I look at uh, relevance, prevalence, and impact. So relevance, I'm talking about the is is this story part of the current conversation that we are that you know that that's going on at the moment so obviously anything about um sanctions ukraine um impact on all that kind of stuff there's there's that um prevalence is how many times is it mentioned everywhere is everyone mm. going on about it? because i there are there are things that i find not particularly exciting but um because it's mentioned everywhere i want to make sure that whoever reads watson's daily will be able to comment on on that you know, on that particular thing um and then the third thing is impact and then i try to think about the impact in terms of um the the company itself the industry that it's in the geography and if it has any impact in the you know globally so that's the way that's the way i try to reduce things down um and in terms of how to actually use that um approach 
in your research for um, for when you're writing for applications and interviews and things like that um, I think that what you you need to be very clear when you're writing and when you're talking about these kinds of things you need to be really really clear in terms of your message I mean I I have um, run uh, lots of competitions um, in in lots of ways uh, and when it comes to actually writing I do find um, that probably the most common thing that I see is that people don't get to the point when you're writing you do need to have at the back of your mind so what so what so what why am I writing this why am I writing this and if you don't know the likelihood is the person that's reading what you're writing also won't know so first of all you need to write your conclusion so you need to start with a conclusion I think this because of this you know this is and and then after that you need to do say three bullet points as to why that is the case and then um, after that you need to then come to that conclusion and reinforce what you said right at the beginning I guess it's kind of similar in say for a letter of letter of advice you start with your summary you start mm -hmm. with what you've said and mm -hmm. then you explain why you've said it rather mm. than do it the other way around and I think that's only something I even got taught in third year but mm. in essence they were like put your conclusion first and then explain why you said it which yeah. in hindsight makes it easier for the reader you know what you're gonna get at the end mm. and then it can make sure you don't just flower and mm. waffle on <laughs> when you actually write to clients you need to turn that on its head because if you're writing to someone that's really important and has no time mm. they want the answer to their question yeah. I mean, ideally in the subject heading, if you can fit yep. it. Yep. And it, it's only if they've got the grace of time that they're going to read the rest of it. So absolutely, yeah, chuck the most important bit at the top because yep. high-powered people, unfortunately, don't have time to read all of your, <laughs> all of your really <laughs> well-thought-out emails. So I feel like now we've gone through Peter's thought process. We're inside Peter's mind. Oh dear. Now, yeah. <laughs> now we're inside Peter's mind. Let's see how he analyzes a news story. So Abby and I have selected a couple of news stories that we are going to talk through and kind of take you through step by step. How do you go about analyzing a news story? And the title of this episode is commercial awareness versus commercial analysis, because I think it's one thing to just be aware of a load of titles, but it's a whole other skill and it's unlocking another layer to be able to say, OK, why is this important? How does it link to this? How does it affect my law firm? And that's what we're really going to try and crack into today. So the first story that I've um, chosen, which to be honest, is already a bit outdated now. Um, is Unilever will not be increasing its fourth bid for GSK after they rejected their £50 million bid. So, Peter, I know you were saying that you need to um, you need to read a lot and you need to understand the context of things. What can you lay out the landscape for this story? OK, so um, in order to blow people away um, <laughs> with your with your answer, um, you can you can make you can start off very strongly and quite simply and by and show that you know what's going on here, right? So, um, although you don't want to say dwell too much on the background and introduction and all that kind of thing, 
you can if you know what's going on and what the background is of this story and why they're putting this story in front of you you can make a very strong start so first of all i would say that you know this uh, this is this is an interesting um this is an interesting topic and that Unilever, both Unilever and GSK are under pressure. And the reason why this came about is because Unilever is trying to prove that it's doing something um, because there was controversy about where it was going to be domiciled, either in London or Amsterdam, and it's now it's definitely London. Um, and it's under pressure from shareholders. And GSK... Emma Walmsley has um, so she's the you know, CEO. She has been um, uh, under a lot of pressure as well. I mean, one of the main reasons for that is because they didn't come up with a vaccine for COVID, for instance. So, bearing that in mind, so you condense that. So you know, you say that both companies are under pressure, um, and then say uh, you then go into what I would uh, uh, I. I this is my process anyway um you might have you've heard of SWOT uh, analysis and pestle and stuff like that i think they're they're bandied around too much um and i think for this this is what i would do so my acronym is sisk so that is um summarize identify suggest and conclude you sounded really unsure about your own acronym. <laughs> no, I was trying to do it. I was, I was trying to do it really slowly, um, so because ah. I didn't know whether anyone was. No, so summarize. Okay, summarize, identify, suggest, and conclude. You know, you need to pick out the uh, essence of that story. So that's that's the first thing you you would do. Um, then you um, identify the areas that will help your case. Uh, it, you know, to prove its conclusion. You then suggest. Um, a ideally up to three potential outcomes and then you conclude with the one that you think is the strongest outcome. When you say suggestions I would think that that is suggestions that you could make to the law firm that you're I like you're probably applying to for how can we get our foot in the door to make this an opportunity for us. So so in, in this instance there's a lot of corporate stuff going on so um, when the story first came out, there was uncertainty about whether or not Unilever was going to carry on this kind of like random M&A activity and maybe try and purchase something else similar like Johnson & Johnson. They've since come out and said, no, we've, we've listened to the shareholders who've slapped us on the wrist and we're not going to do that. Instead, we're going to do a buyback of 2.5 billion shares over the next two years. So as a law firm, you're thinking, perfect. I can get involved in that. The buyback. <laughs> the buyback. Additionally, they've their um, costs are going to go up exponentially over the next couple of years, and that's going to put a lot of pressure on them. So from a commercial perspective, there's probably going to be a lot of scope to renegotiate contracts and lower costs in response to things like inflation, expensive freight costs, all the rest of it. Is that what is that the kind of angle that you would take when you were thinking about making suggestions? Yeah, definitely. Because if that is, you know, if you're um, uh, the company that you're applying to, if those are the are, you know, areas that they cover, you've definitely got to do that. Because that's that's what this is all about. It's it's about it's about money. <laughs> it's about mm. you know how can you bring money to the firm. You're not going to bring money to the firm by looking at a story and sitting back and saying, oh, look, isn't that interesting? 
you know, <laughs> because you'll all Peter, sit there. Peter Watson told me this morning that I should tell you about this story, so <laughs> well, I'm doing it. There you go. So, you know, you'll all sit back stroking your chins and saying, well, you know, this is amazing. Um, but you need to get, you know, you need to go that extra mile and think, how do I, I mean, I know this is so mercenary, but how do I get money out of this? How, yeah, in exactly. what in what way do I get money out of this? And then, you know, you, you, you think about these things. I mean, you think about Unilever, the fact that the, the shareholders are pressurising them. They will need some kind of advice, you know, potentially M&A advice, other targets, that kind of thing. Um, clearly, they ran out of ideas because that's generally what happens when a company says, we'll do a buyback because they can't think <laughs> of anything else. Um, and obviously, you can you, know, you can announce, um, sorry, you can um you you can um you know get a get a piece of that action as well um but yeah i mean you know those are the if you can try to think of the areas um of expertise of um the company that you're going uh, that you're going for um and think of how how you can get money for them that is what is interesting to them not the fact that um are uh, you know isn't isn't this an interesting thing two um two big companies getting together from slightly different background that's not really interesting what is interesting is um how are they going to get money out of it exactly so okay so keeping this hat on abby's story is a bit more niche mine was pretty general you can use it you can use it for most big corporate commercial firms Abby's is a lot more niche and will be more specific to certain firms. I went for this one only because I saw Molly's story and I thought, okay, let's change this up a bit. Um, but my folk, my story is how the UK is currently, they've put a two, um, £206 million investment on green tech to revive the shipping sector. Um, so first of all, certain firms this might not work for. So for example, you've got big energy sector firms, big transport firms that um, this will potentially work better for. However, I like this story because I'm quite big on the environment myself. And as the energy sector and ESG is becoming such a hot topic at the moment, I thought it was something that shipping gets forgotten about slightly. And I was reading today that 90% of the world's goods are transported by ships and containers so it's not going away anytime soon um and although apparently only three percent of emissions come from the shipping sector there is a big thing at the moment and how maybe i sort of read this story is that with this green tech um advancing obviously every country wants to improve their shipping and to have better shipping in their area and currently I think the shipping sector is sort of dominated slightly more by China Japan sort of that way and especially with the sanctions and Russia and the war at the moment and how we currently want to take um, our reliance away from Russia with energy and oil and gas I thought it was quite interesting to see how maybe potentially with manufacturing of um, carbon neutral or less emission free shipping in the UK could actually increase self-dependence and reliance on shipping over here compared to elsewhere so that's sort of where I was trying to I guess eke out some information from this story from. Mm. So in terms of going back to taking it back to um, you know taking it back to a uh, uh, green technology um, green technology is obviously 
a major part of the whole ES, you know, ESG thing. Um, and I think that um, you need to think about which parts of the story that you're talking about again are relevant to the company that you are talking to you know is it a case of they're actually interested in the shipping side of things or are they interested in the technology of the shipping or the fueling of the shipping or are they interested you know introduce interested in logistics generally because logistics are having to change because shipping is having problems so um that you know companies are looking increasingly at, at transporting goods by train or by plane because the other thing about is about you know say uh, aviation at the moment is that there's loads of um uh you know th th there's not enough passengers yeah there's not enough well there are not enough passengers so the you know you might as well fill the planes with cargo for instance so there's also i mean there's the thing is there's so many different angles that you could take but like i say the key is you really need to know who you're talking who you are talking to and what is important to them and what part of the story will will uh, tick their boxes and so to kind of go back to what we were talking about earlier how do you make this story make money could we just spitfire some ideas for kind of like you said peter how law firms can get in on this action so like technology wise you've probably got a lot of new ip that's about to come out and needs to be protected and you're going to need to have loads of data protection stuff surrounding that as well I was also thinking stuff to do with um, trade deals. It's going to open up our trade deal capability a lot. And there's also going to be a lot more scope for commercial lawyers to kind of negotiate um, a lot of international contracts um, that we previously haven't had. I mean, certainly um, there's, there's a lot of scope for renegotiation of existing agreements because um, the world is changing. And I think that... Um, there will be a, a, I suppose an overhaul of the partners that, that of of trading partners of lots of countries but also I think that there will be a lot more you know I, I really think that one of the main um, uh, consequences of, of what is going on at the moment uh, is that actually I think that there will be almost a reversal of globalization because globe I think that globalization has led us to this um uh, you know this this yeah. almost it feels yeah because yeah because it just is really um you know it, i think covid showed us how much we rely on china and this has now showed us how much we rely on russia i mean i know I mean, that's who that's new i've been yeah. listening to your podcast peter yeah. i had no oh, idea <laughs> that we got wheat from russia yeah i mean i i, I think most no people tell me that <laughs> i saw that the other day i was like whoa <laughs> yeah, and it's it is amazing, you know, all this stuff. And so, I mean, I know this is this is kind of, um, I mean, I know it's it's it is more complex than the, what what I've just said, but that is basically what it is. China, we rely on their man, you know, manufacturing, and Russia and Ukraine, we rely on their agriculture and their um, natural resources generally. So now, I think what what is going to have to happen is that we're all going to have to try to do more make, you know make more domestically and what that is going to mean is things are going to be more expensive because we might not be able to produce the same things in the same quantities at that lower price 
but that is a price that we pay for being more self-sufficient um and so you know i think that there's that i think certainly that is going to be a trend that we are going to be seeing for the next five to ten years but it's just a question of whether people forget within that time frame um whether you know about what's going on at the moment and they go kind of go back you know revert back to the let's go for the lowest cost option peter definitely i feel like that's all we've got time for and (laughs) we've covered so much more than either abby or i could have anticipated so thank you so much for your time if you had to leave our listeners with um, one thought on commercial awareness, perhaps one thing you think that um, aspiring lawyers could do better with their commercial awareness, what would it be? Be methodical. So um, don't just, you know, once a week, once a month, night before the interview, it's not enough. You have to know more. And if you make commercial awareness a daily habit, you will be amazed at how much you'll pick up. Um, and over time, you will find that you will start making connections and remember things. And you will suddenly, without you re- quite realising it, you will get a lot better. I mean, I say this to the, you know, the the three stages. So first stage, you get the knowledge blocks. So the you know the building blocks of your commercial awareness. The second stage is where you start making connections to the past. So you might think, oh yes, I remember this happened a few weeks ago or whatever, and you you connect that to the present. But then the stage that you want to get to is where you you look at what's happened in the past, you see what's happening in the present, and then you um, uh, you know you you then predict the future. That's where the money is, and and you know. The only way you're going to do that is, or be able to do that, is to be consistent, you know. And it doesn't, it doesn't need to take long. The best way to do it is to try to um, think about what you can do every day. Don't think how much time do I have to give it, because if you do that, you probably will overestimate that, and it won't be sustainable. You need to look at your time during the day. What time do you have? Is it in the gym? Is it walking to the you know wherever it is is you know all these kinds of things you have to really think about what can you do and then you choose that time stick to it be consistent and that the knowledge will come thanks so much to peter for coming on to the show if you don't already then definitely make sure you check out peter's daily podcast and sign up to the watson's daily as always, please subscribe to the podcast and follow us on at Virtually Legal Podcast on Instagram for more.